Welcome back to Podcast 51. I'm Tom DeLore. And I'm Amir Bankson. And this week, uh, we're talking about Jim Morrison and his mysterious death. Uh, there are two, this will be two-parter, and this first one is going to focus on who Jim Morrison was and all that. I'll, you know, I should toss this over to Amir, because this is, guys, this is the second time I'm giving the helm of leader over to Amir. Uh, he's going to lead the podcast today, so if it goes horribly, you know, blame Amir. All right, so this time it's going to go the right way, because <laughs> the last time it did not. But all right, so we are going to do the death of Jim Morrison. I titled this Podcast 51, The Death of Jim Morrison, The Voice of a Generation. Whoa. Because I took time to title each part of this. Was that two colons? No. Dang it. I, I know. I should have done another like, colon, but I wasn't thinking at the time. I, I like that. Yeah. Get it done. I like the subtitle. Yeah, but uh, yeah. First off, folks, if you're ever going to do research on an artist, make sure if they're dead, listen to their music while you're doing it because it puts you in a weird place. But uh, so we're going to talk about on this episode everything surrounding like, the background on him, like him growing up a little bit. We're not going to touch completely on it, but in leading up to like him and his like relationship with his girlfriend who leads into his, you know, death, and, you know, just how the doors were made. But let's just give you a quick background, which I call this part the quick background. Nice. Of Jim Morrison. Aptly titled. So, James Douglas Morrison, also known as Jim, or the Lizard King, or... It was Mr. really called the Lizard King? Yeah, that was one of his, like, AKs. Did you watch The Office? No. I've seen a lot Did of Did you watch episodes. The Office, Grant? You're asking, Grant. I watched it. Yeah. Yes. You know, there's that scene with Robert California at the end when Andy like tries to call him out and he tries to get David Walsh to buy the company, and Robert California is like, "I'm the Lizard King." I thought that was just completely off the wall reference. Nope. Apparently, it's a Doris reference. Yeah, that's Jim Morrison was called the Lizard. <laughs> Jim Morrison was called the Lizard, uh, the Lizard King, <laughs> and he was also called Mr. Mojo Ryzen. That was just his other thing he used. But he was a singer, songwriter, and poet. And he was best remembered as the lead singer of The Doors. And then due to his like poetic lyrics and his distinctive voice and wild personality and performances, which his performances got really wild because he a lot of times would do them intoxicated. Oh. Or he would just maybe not be intoxicated, but just be like wild on stage mm-hmm. just because. But And the dramatic circumstances surrounding his life and early death, he's like really like a mythical character now mm-hmm. in music back then, which we will discuss later on. Morrison is regarded by both music critics and fans as one of the most iconic and influential frontmen in rock music history. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, a lot of, like, all of his albums have so far been, like, critically acclaimed, too. Like he, he didn't, did he do solo work, or was he just part of The Doors? Uh, I think he did some solo albums, like, before he, you know, croaked, but mm-hmm. in between then, no, it was mostly with The Doors. You got but, a favorite Doors song? Uh, um... I think it is, I like The End, which is about one of his girlfriends of the past, but it's a long song. How long it's is like that? It's like six, seven minutes long. Oh, okay. Or longer. I really like that Alabama whiskey song. Yeah, that's good too, but I like that. But yeah, Mo- Morrison co-founded The Doors during the summer of 1965 in Venice, California. The band spent two years in obscurity until shooting to prominence with their number one song, in the United States, Light My Fire, which is a banger. Mm-hmm. Light My Fire is so good. But it was taken from their self-titled debut album, and Morrison recorded a total of six studio albums with The Doors, and all of them sold well and received critical acclaim. And though The Doors recorded two more albums after his death, death 
the Duffa Morrison was like it kind of messed the band up completely. Yeah, I mean, because deletes. Could you name any other door, member of the Doors? Um, off the top of your head? No, I have them written down, but no. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty iconic. Yeah, and they disbanded in 1973, and then in 1993, Morrison, as a member of the Doors, was inducted to the Rock and Roll. So that means he didn't even he the band didn't even last ten years. Excuse me. Nah. Wow, that's pretty crazy for such a like big band. Yeah. yeah. So since his death, his fame has endured as one of the of pop culture's most rebellious and often displayed icons, and he represented like the generation gap in the youth counterculture. Like he was like, he was basically like the king of the hick- the hippies. Okay. Like he was uh, he represented like all that psychedelic stuff back then mm-hmm. and all that and the rebellious nature. He was like, he was like the James Dean of like the '60s, I guess. But he was also known for improvising spoken word poetry passages while the band played live, which he did a lot. Like, they'll be performing, then he'll just go into a poetry. And then, yeah, he's been arrested on stage, too. For what? He was drunk and... Oh, okay. Yeah. Seems like he had a drinking problem. I mean, sort of. Towards the end, yes. But, and it was mostly one of the, you know, a little nose problem, if you know what I'm saying. But, um... And, like, LSD and stuff like that. The mm. typical 60s drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Morrison was ranked number 47 on Roller Stone's list of 100 greatest singers of all time. and number 100 greatest what's of all time? Singers. 47, okay. And then number 22 on Classic Rock Magazine's 50 greatest singers in rock. And Ray Manzarek, who co-founded The Doors with them, said Morrison embodied hippie counterculture, rebellion, and... Like I said earlier, he was referred to by the Lizard King and Mr. Mojo Rising. <laughs> the Lizard King. I like that a lot. Yeah. It's really weird. It is. But Morrison developed an alcohol-like dependency during the 60s, which at times affected his performances on stage. He died at the age of 27, wink, wink, in Paris. In Paris? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he didn't die in America. What, what, was, in was he touring or was he just No, like... he was just, I'll explain later on why he was in Paris. Okay. But no, this is going to lead later on to the death part. There was no autopsy performed, and the exact cause of his death is unknown to this day. So let's talk about the early days of Jim Morrison. Okay. The, the, the youth years of Okay. Him. Now, I didn't write down in here, but um, there was a moment when he was a kid that he said changed his life forever. He witnessed some Native Americans or Indians get into a car accident, and he said their bodies were laid everywhere all over the ground and, like, bleeding and blood everywhere. Oh, okay. And he wow. was a kid driving So it's pretty traumatic. His he- parents said it was bullcrap. Uh, how old was? did he say he was? Uh, he was, like, six. Wow. Six, seven-ish. Don't, so don't quote me on if that. it happened, it'd be treated pretty traumatic. Well, no. They, it ha- like, the car crash happened, but the whole, like, Indians being unconscious and blood everywhere stuff, okay. they said he over-exaggerated a lot when he was a kid. Okay. But, yeah. But Jim... Didn't necessarily get in. He wasn't cool with his family towards his end well, okay. when he started the doors. But Jim was raised in a military family. Morrison, wow, really? Yeah. Okay. His early life was a you know typical military family life. I think that maybe that's part of what pushed him to like be so rebellious. True. Is that it's like the opposite. You won't always want to rebel against your parents, and if you're in a military family, that's like yeah the furthest you can get from that. Yeah, literally, like yeah. So, uh, Jim, um, Jerry Hopkins was just, like, a guy who, like, wrote, like, books and talked about them and, like, the backstory. And then he recorded Jim's, uh, brother, Andy, 
saying that his parents never used like physical punishment, like spanking them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Instead, they used like like discipline and like punishment by military traditions, oh, boy. like dressing down, which consists of yelling and berating them. Yeah, I feel like, like that can be worse until, in some, like, in some yeah, scenarios. They would like yell and berate them until they were like reduced to like tears, and they always acknowledged their failings and stuff like that. So Jim graduated from UCLA, and he broke off like most, if not all, of the contact with his family. What did he graduate with? You know, uh, I think he was like a theater major. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it says later on, but I like like I said, I wrote this down, and like I pretty much do this in the back of my head. So we're gonna be finding this out together. Okay. But yeah, by the time he, by the time like Jim like ascended to the top of music in 1967, he had not talked to his family for more than a year, and he claimed that his parents and siblings were dead, and that a lot of people like misreported that he was a single child. Really, he he just said that they were dead because that's how far he wanted to distance yeah. himself from them. Okay, like it's wow. like how you know how Jack White and you know like the White Stripes, like they said that they were brother and sister, but they were really married. Yeah. It's like he said that he was the only child sometimes, or he'll say his parents and siblings are dead. Hmm. So, yeah. So, uh... But couldn't they have just found his family? Because he didn't change his name. Did... Or did he? No. Okay. I mean, he he was Jim. I mean, his real name is James. He went by Jim. (laughs) It wasn't like the today's time when you could just find someone's family. You had to do research back then. Fair enough. So Admiral Morris and his father was not supportive of Jim's career choice in music at all. And like some one day like a guy brought over Jim's like music to him and like after he heard it, like after his dad heard some of Jim's music, he wrote Jim a letter. Oh boy. Saying give up on any idea of singing in <laughs> any connection with the, <laughs> the uh, music group because of what I consider to be a complete lack of talent in this direction. Wait, at what point in his in his musical career is he at? Uh, this was are like they, are they like the Doors or are they yeah like, like the Doors just started. So, well, they, no, they had blown up by this point. They had yeah, and he's still like nope. Yeah, no, he's like can't not give that satisfaction. Wow, nope, that's harsh. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, his father acknowledged that the in 1970 that the breakdown of the family communications were because of him saying that his son is not talented at all in music. Has he ever walked back those statements? Uh, he said he was proud of him. Is that later on? Yeah, after he died, he was proud of him still. Hmm. Yeah, he was still proud of his son, but at the same time. He's like, I wanted you to be an admiral too. Yeah, it was like Barry Sanders' dad doesn't like acknowledge Barry Sanders as being like the greatest halfback. Like He always says that Barry's like number two. To who? To Barry. Uh, oh, to, uh, I think it's Walter Payne. Okay. But yeah, he, his dad, Barry Sanders' dad will never say he's, like, his son is number one. Wow. That, I feel yeah, like it's kind of messed up. Yeah. I would, yeah, especially if your child was actually talented, I feel like I would be like, yeah. Yeah. But Morrison was Irish and Scottish, and he was, like, really inspired by, like, the Celtic mythology and his, like, poems and songs. And he's, like, originally, his family is from the uh, Isle of Lewis, Scotland. And, yeah. That's, so he's not even wait wait he was he born in America? Yeah, he was born in America, but like I'm talking about his clan, like his ancestry. Okay, is yeah Scottish and stuff. All right. So now let's get into the formation of the Doors. Okay. So Jim formed the Doors in the summer of 1965 after graduating with a bachelor's degree from the UCLA Film School. Morrison led a bohemian lifestyle in Venice Beach, which was like living on the rooftops of buildings mm-hmm. and you know eating garbage, <laughs> but. So, uh, 
His old cinematography friend, Dennis Jacobs, said that Jim wrote many of his early songs like Hello, I Love You and Moonlight Drive while he lived on canned beans and LSD for several months. What a life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's the life you want to live mm, in the 60s. It? Beans and LSD, what a combination. But uh, LSDB. <laughs> but Morrison and uh, fellow USCLA student Ray Manzarek were the first two members of The Doors during that summer. They met months earlier as cinematography students. And then the now legendary story that Manzarek claims, he says that Jim was just lying on the... Well, he was lying on the beach one day, and then he heard Jim, like, singing, and he was like, dude, we should start a rock group. And really? That's, yeah. And that's how it started? Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yes. And Jim was it like, must be yeah. Mm, the Doors. No, I'll get into where they got the Doors okay. name from. But uh, then they met the guitarist Robbie Krieger and drummer John Dismore. Uh, Krieger auditioned at Dismore's recommendation, and he was added to the group. And then they all, like, all three, like, Dismore, Krieger, and Menzarek shared, like, an interest in, like, meditation practices. And they even attended classes, but Morrison did not. He was like, nah, I'm not going to those classes. Hmm. So let's talk about where they got the title of the name The Doors. So they took the name from the book, from the title of the book, Aldous Huxley's book, The Doors of Perception. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff about Aldous Huxley. He also wrote Brave New World, mm. and he's portrayed, he's like a um, occultist, and he was also on uh, the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. We talked about him a little bit in the uh, Paul is Dead episode of Podcast 51 as yeah. well. So uh, the idea for that reference is, you know, opening the doors of perception through drug use. Oh, okay. Yeah, like psychedelic drug use. That changes it a little bit. Because you think there's actually a lot of bands that you're like, yes, that's iconic. That's their name. Yeah. Like the doors. Then you're like, it's a bunch of doors. Like that's kind of lame when you just think of it very yeah. like two-dimensionally. But when you get the background. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Man, that's wild. But, uh, yeah, so that's how they got the name. That's okay. how they chose that name. So now we're going to get to Jim and Pam, which was, like, Pamela Corson, which is the girl, like, he met in college where he spent most of his, like, adult life with. Okay. And stuff. I called it a couple. Wait, hold on. Jim and Pam? Like, from the office? Never put that together. <laughs> I literally never put that together. Maybe there were more references than I would have thought. <laughs> but yes, I called them Jim and Pam, a couple made in love. Nice. Even though there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. It was love, but there was drugs too. Okay. So, okay. It's more not, is it like Kurt and Courtney? No. Okay. Not to that degree. Okay. Because they were like, it, no. Okay. No. <laughs> sort of, but Courtney's still alive. That's true. So, no. Okay. So, Morrison spent nearly the entirety, like, entire, like, his adult life with Pamela Corson after they, like, both attended UCLA. They met, and she encouraged him to develop his per- poetry, and then she used the surname Morrison at points, but, like, they were never married. Okay. So, like... She would go by Pamela Morrison, and she's buried. Were they like, were they like just like symbolically wed, or was it just like whenever she felt like it? 
Well, like symbolic, you know, okay. like the hippie. Yeah. But yeah, so and she's buried as uh, Pamela Susan Morrison after okay. her death in 1974. Okay. So they died not too far after each other. Yeah. And she died the sort of the same way as he did, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> as I tap my wrist, not my wrist, but my arm. But uh, uh, so after her death, her parents uh, petitioned the court to get inheritance of like Jim's estate. Oh, what about Jim's family? Uh, so I guess screw them, right? Yeah, they're they they suck anyways. Yeah, and uh. The probate court in California decided that she and uh, Jim had what qualifies a common law marriage. So, and the common law marriage was not recognized in California, but Morrison's will named Corson as their sole heir, and they had probably previously obtained marriage licenses in Colorado in 1967 and 68. And you like, so you, I guess they were married, but a lot of people didn't know. Okay. It was like a 68, 67. And uh, Ray Manzarek, who was a keyboardist of the Doors, said that, you know, Corson was Jim's other half. And Jim spoke about her in, like, a lot of his lyrics and his music, like The New Creatures and Love Street and Blue Sunday. Well, that was his book, The New okay. Creatures, because he wrote poetry, too, like a poetry book. Mm-hmm. And there was also... Were they, they published? Yeah. Okay. And there were also, like, room. well, not rumors, not really rumors, but... They kind of had an open relationship mm. at points. Well, when you're a rock star. I mean, yeah, but they were both cool with it. Like, uh, Jim also, he didn't date. He had a one-night stance with Janis Joplin. Really? Which, yeah, allegedly they got into a huge argument afterwards, and Janis Joplin, Joplin hit Jim over the head with a glass bottle. Oh, my God. Does he have any kids? No. That we know of? Yeah, that we know of. Fair. And he's had several other, like... You know, just random relationships with many other singers and stuff like that that I didn't feel like having to put down. Mm-hmm. So now we're just going to get to the just the death. We're not going to get into the specifics of what happened. But, like, we're just going to cover how he died and all that. And next next episode, we're going to talk about... Just the death and all the stuff around it. Yep. So, first off, I'll explain why Jim went to Paris. So, um... Around, let me see, it was a, like, around the late 60s, Jim started to get, like, tubby. Like, so you went through an Elvis phase? Yeah, he uh, he was in Hollywood, and he was bloated, bearded, and out of control with his drinking. And, the like, Jim was known for, like, his physique and stuff. Mm-hmm, definitely. Like the, I feel like I've only seen pictures of him without his shirt on. Yeah. But he became a sad parody of himself, and he, like, it was really, like, his voice started going out on him because Mm -hmm. of that. Like, he had difficulty, like, doing the Doors' final album, L.A. Woman, and it was said that he would guzzle as many as 36 beers in a single day. Oh, my gosh. That is absurd. Yeah. So, he... Since his voice was given out. Was there anything that he was dealing with at the time in particular? Like anything that happened to him that would cause this or just... Well, you could say... Was he just depressed? Like his whole upbringing and stuff. Yeah, okay. Could cause like... Just been weighing... It had been weighing on him. Yeah. And like if you're that talented... It's the problem with most talented, like super, super talented artists and people like that. Mm -hmm. They always find like themselves having like a lot of depressive like things because of like either their like life... 
like leading up to that point or them like not being able to handle the fame or all that because by this point like the doors were huge and stuff like that they were kicked off of the Ed Sullivan show though by the way were they really yeah because what for? um and the, they performed the song I think it was the Ed Sullivan show it was one of like it was a big show back then but uh they and the song like my fire there's a lyric that says uh baby we couldn't get much higher mm-hmm and they wanted to. They wanted them to change that lyric. Oh, and they refused, or they sang it anyway. No, yeah, no. They Jim said, yeah, no, we're we're gonna change it. Would you change it to? He didn't change it. But what would you? I don't know. And he and he, so he just sang it, and they're like, all right, you're done. He went on did stage. Did they cut him off mid mid performance? No, he went on stage. Did uh, he sung the original like mm-hmm. words? Pretty sure he got arrested for after that? that. Yeah, and then what they, did they arrest him for? I forgot. Like I'm gonna. I'm gonna Google it really fast because, like, I love the people. And, like, yeah, so he got arrested for that and he was banned from the Ed Sullivan show. Is that. I feel like Ed Sullivan's show. Did it last long? I mean, yeah, it was a. It's a pop culture show, you know? Hmm. Like, it's huge. Like, people still talk about it. And now they're kind of one of the things they're known for is kicking Jim Morrison off their show. Can you imagine that? I mean, yeah, that is one of the things that they're known for. But like, they're also known they're known for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like Ed Sullivan's show is like one of the biggest shows back then of all, like probably almost. Of it's all interesting time. they got kicked off for that line that doesn't have any swearing. It's not like uh, gratuitous um, in terms of sexual or like sexual stuff or violence or anything. Like nowadays, it's mm-hmm. there's way different standards for that kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, so after that, uh, Ed Sullivan was they didn't get arrested, but Ed Sullivan was like, he told them don't say that basically, and they still did it, and it, it was recorded. Like you could mm-hmm. watch the performance, but on the side, like Ed Sullivan is clapping and saying like, oh, good job, and like he said. He uh, said at the end that uh, that was wonderful to them, just great, and he didn't shake the like he didn't shake hands with them. He just like went to straight to commercial. All right, see ya. Yeah, it was straight to the commercial, and as soon as they got backstage, uh, they wanted them to do six shows originally, like six shows they wanted them to perform, but Ed said you'll never perform here again. Wow. Yep, and they were never able to perform the Ed Sullivan show again. Ah, which was. What a shame for them. Yeah. But Jim, like, allegedly replied to that by saying, hey, man, we just did the uh, Sullivan show. No, my God. That's pretty baller. Yeah, no, yeah. So. You never do it. No, I already did. I just did. Yeah, I just did that. So he went to, uh, what's back to him in the whole thing, drinking 36 beers in a single day. So his voice was given out and he was struggling with his writing. And so on March 11th, 1971, he went to Paris for a sabbatical. He attended to get clean and lose some weight and reconnect with his muse. And Pam? No, just music. Oh, they said his muse. No, muse, but like, you could also say Pam. Okay. But they were like, she went with him. Okay. Clearly. So Jim and Pam went to cinema to see this uh, this movie called uh the pursued which was starring robert meacham back then meacham meacham and then in another theater jim sat alone and watched a documentary called death valley and then 
he like, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna cover that actually. What? That's not the right one. That was like one of the alleged things okay. of how it happened. So it was good to when like ha- really happened. So they watched a movie and stuff like that, and then he came back and they they were living in an apartment together, and then. Uh, they did some... So they have an apartment there, so it's not like a vacation. They're, like, going to live here for at least a little bit. Yeah, just to get everything together. It, well, it takes some time to get clean and... Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Like, and plus you had the money. How come he didn't go to, like, a rehab center? He's like, I can't... He's it's the 60s, be, baby. They didn't have that then? They probably did, but you're a rock star. Why are you going to go to rehab as a rock star? And Jim is one of those one of those guys where, like, you could see him not doing rehab. Fair enough. Like, you know, connecting with his inner chi and whatever, you know. Yeah. So uh, they uh, stayed up all night, and they watched a movie, and then they did some, supposedly, one of, like, which we'll get into later, they did a little something-something. Okay. What they thought... Powdered their nose. Yeah, but what they thought was one powder ended up being another powder that you could put into your arm. Oh. So Jim then threw up a little bit Okay. later on that night. He threw up a small quality of but of blood, and then Jim asked her, "Can you run a bath for her for him?" Mm-hmm. And then he got. He's the, with Pam at this. Yeah, okay. they're together. So he gets in the tub, and then Pam went to bed. And then the last thing she remembered hearing Jim say was, "Are you there, Pam? Pam, are you there?" And then she fell asleep. She heard that, and then she's like, "Yep." Can I go to sleep anyways? Yep. She fell asleep. Wow. And, and then after six a.m., she realized. When she woke up, Jim wasn't in the bed. She called his name, and there was no answer. Oh, no. She went to the bathroom. She found Jim's head submerged underwater, and he had a smile on his face. So she thought he was playing a joke, and she shook him, and he didn't respond. And that's when the police were called. He drowned? Well, we don't know. Okay. Uh, I can't imagine him being like, are you there? And she's like, time to go to sleep. Stop talking to me. (laughs) <laughs> that's Especially what, after you just threw up blood. What the heck? I mean, that's what had, she said happened. So following this, Jim's corpse was, corpse was wrapped in plastic and packed in dry ice and remained in the apartment while Corson and Alan Rainey, which was a friend of the couple, made funeral arrangements. And then three days later, the, the undertakers finally delivered the coffin that Corson had ordered, and she bought the cheapest one available, which was $75. Why did she buy it so cheap? He's got money. I don't know, Tom. You're asking questions that we're going to talk about later on. Okay. Uh, in the next episode. And then sometime th- during those 72 hours, a doctor visited them and signed a death certificate. And the official cause of death was listed as a heart failure. And no autopsy was performed. Really? They just, like, sounded off like that? Yep. Do you think there's a potential? I mean, you have theories and stuff that yeah. you're going to get into next time. I think there's a potential that, like, they didn't want to. I mean... He had to have been known for being, dabbling in some vices like that. Do you think they yeah. just kind of just make his name seem better, that he had a heart failure instead of, like, he had an overdose or something? Well, no, because back then a lot of them were dying like that. Like, uh, So it wouldn't have, been, it wouldn't have like, tainted his name or anything? It would have, it would have, well, Jimi Hendrix's name isn't tainted, and Jimi Hendrix uh, overdosed and choked on vomit, so. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So it probably wouldn't have. But then the Doors manager arrived in a... Uh, from the United States in July 6th, and he found a sealed coffin and the death certificate. So Wait, they, when is this? July 6th. Okay. So they sealed Jim's uh, coffin, 
and then they just had the death certificate. And only Corson and Rone had seen Jim's body before it was buried in the Paré-la-Chase Cemetery on July 7th. Or did they put his corpse into the coffin then? Mm-hmm. That seems like that's not how it's done. Okay. So he died. So they, the manager gets there on the 6th. The body's already sealed in the coffin. And then they buried it on the 7th. Wow. Yeah, that's just a little fishy. So then... Rone uh, no- negotiated a deal to get Jim like buried in the famous French graveyard, the Parade Le Chase, which is huge over there. And they accepted a 30-year lease and expired in 2001, but the body is still not a big Zoom yet. They ex- they get to pay for the plot continuously? Yeah. Oh, you, you have the sign. Yeah. Because so, w- only famous people can get buried over there. Like Who's going to exhume Jim Morrison's body? I mean, wouldn't you want to exhume it after this? Are you? Yeah, but I thought you meant like they haven't exhumed it. Like you didn't pay us. Well, yeah, that is true. Yeah, like, you're who's right. Who's gonna be like taking yeah, it away? Yeah, who's like, gonna nah, be? And that's who, like who's taking Jim Morrison's body? Yeah, and it's a pretty famous landmark now. Over yeah, there. like everybody goes. His there. grave. It's like a, yeah, yeah. It's like a mecca almost. But uh, Siddons, who was the manager, and Corson returned to Los Angeles the day after that, and then Siddons told the press, "I have returned from Paris, where I have attended the funeral of Jim Morrison." And I could say he died peacefully of natural causes. And this came six days after Morrison's death. So nobody, the world didn't know for six days. till no. after the funeral. Yep. That seems crazy. Now it's like minutes, I feel like, we know. And this is when questions started. And this is where I'm going to leave it off yet. This is where questions start to be uh, questioned. Why was there not a police investigation? Why was there no autopsy? Who was the examining doctor? Which <laughs> was there one? Corson couldn't remember the doctor's name, and the signature or on the death certificate was illegible. Oh my god! <laughs> and then why wasn't Jim's parents told that he was dead? Because his parents didn't know. They found out through with everybody else. Oh, wow! And they, Corson lied to the American Embassy and said that Jim had no immediate family. Which allowed for a crick. Did she actually know about his family? Yeah. Because you said he often said that he, his, his family was dead. No, but she knew. Okay. Yeah, she knew about his family. But she said that Jim had no immediate family, which allowed for the quick, no questions asked burial. There wasn't even a priest there. Wow. That seems like they're trying to cover something up. Which gets to the keyboardist Ray Manzarek asking Siddons, who was the manager. I'm going to swear because I want to say the exact quote. So you okay. Can, Grant's going to have to edit this out. Yeah, yeah. Or bleep it. Or bleep it. No, you can bleep it. Yes. So he said, how do you even... This is Ray Manzarek saying okay. to... I think it's Manzarek. Okay. But I've been saying Manzarek, so I'm going to keep this Manzarek. But this is what he said to his manager's sentence. How do you even know Jim was in the coffin? How do you know it wasn't 150 pounds of sand? And then put inside that yeah. note for a moment. How do you? Nobody yeah. saw. He said he died of natural causes. How did he know that? He's taking Pam's word for it. Yeah, that is really fishy. Yeah, and then that is really fishy. Putting on that, then the question was, what really killed Jim Morrison? They say it was heart disease, but clearly, we don't know, and that's how we're gonna end it. And so next time we're gonna talk about maybe trying to answer some of those questions. We don't have the answers, but we're gonna explore some of the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So. What wow, do you, that, how is, do you, that is. How do you feel about the very fishy death of Jim Morrison? Here's the thing. I was like, wow, he had an interesting life. 27 is very young to mm-hmm. like have such an up and down roller coaster of a life at that point. It seems like he's like on. 
he's like making attempts to right his ship. Yeah. Obviously, if it's overdose, he's kind of not there, but he's yeah. trying. And so it seems that's a it's a real shame. I I didn't I honestly I don't know this story. So you're fully educating me on all this. Like I'm familiar with Jim Morrison. I mean, who isn't? But I didn't realize there's so much like mystery behind it. And it seems like that would never be allowed. Oh yeah, no. Today there's no way this would fly, especially with someone so famous. Yeah. And how do you deliver a, a coffin and all that stuff without like seeing the body? It's so crazy to me. Yeah. No, there is literally I, no way this would happen today. Could you imagine just being like, you die, and then like one person sees you, and they're like, give me a coffin, he doesn't have any family, we're burying him, he's in the ground, and they're like... Pfft. Imagine being buried in six days. Like, you were buried... No, imagine being buried, they saw your body, you die. Yeah. Next day, they see your body. Day three, you're already buried. Day four, your manager shows up. Oh, he shows up to a funeral, but there's no priest there. Day Who's five... Who's there? Who's burying? Just the funeral, like, workers? I guess the so. funeral home workers? Wow. And then imagine as a parent, even though these he had kind of crappy parents. Yeah. Imagine them saying if you asked, or even your like a friend, mm-hmm. like your friend asked, like who killed me? Mm-hmm. And well, not who killed me, but who like who did the autopsy? Who did the death certificate and yeah. all that? And then your girlfriend just says, uh, "That's my question." I don't then. know. Is also like if it is a cover up of some sort, someone's maybe maybe Pam killed them or something hypothetically. Yeah. Um, and it is a cover-up, then how come, why is the manager covering for her also? Well, I mean, the manager might... Or do you think he really just was, like, clueless? Either he was clueless, or he felt like, hey, she was there, I wasn't here. Because imagine, you're jumping off a plane. It, to me, it seemed like he was like, yeah, he's dead, 100% going to buy that. But I guess he had drug problems, so it would be easier. Yeah. But he said natural causes. Yeah, that's what he announced today. So that's not drug overdose, that's not natural. Well. Oh. You've intrigued me. I can't. I'm interested to hear what the, the other theories are. Yeah. So, there it is. So when you come back for part two, folks, we are going to get to the new mysteries about what possibly could have happened to Jim. Was it Pam? Was it drugs? Or was it you know something else? <laughs> My favorite one. I'm not going to mention. Okay. I'm going to mention right. it. It's is he still alive? Oh. Yeah. Him and Elvis hang out yeah. somewhere. And then you say you're going to potentially mention a, the 27 Club as yeah, well? Yeah, I'll mention, like, his connections to the 27 Club because a lot of people, a lot of important people actually that year, or two other important people that year died. Do you know who they are? Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. How cl- They all died the same year? Mm-hmm. Wow, what a year. Uh, they died, and I wrote it down. I'll just get into it really fast right now if my laptop will allow me because it is really old and it makes me angry. But uh, they died, Jim died uh, nine months after Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. Okay. So they died about the same time, though, the other two. Yep. Interesting. All right. Do you have any final thoughts before we get into the real meat of it? It's very fishy. and. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And we still don't have an answer to it till this day, and we probably never will. That's That's kind of sad. Yep. It is sad. Well, that's kind of what this podcast is about, though. Unexplained stuff. Yeah, so. and that's that's rock music for you, baby. Yeah. All right, so just to give you the plugs, you are listening to this somehow, but there are other ways you can listen to this podcast and all other podcasts that Central Michigan Life does. Ringmasters, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there You can listen on SoundCloud. 
uh, soundcloud.com slash cm-life, iTunes under Central Michigan Life Podcast, and the Central Michigan Life website, which is cm-life.com slash multimedia slash audio. And so next week we're doing part two of this. We're going to, like Amir already said, we're going to get into all the theories around that. I mean, we just finished up Bermuda Triangle. You can go back and listen to those. You can follow us on our Twitter, which is at thepodcast51. That's 51. We tweet out the links uh, throughout the week, uh, different platforms. We talk about relevant information, uh, that kind of thing, so you can get like an extra dose of Podcast 51 in your life. Uh, you can also go to our Instagram. We do promotion there. Uh, we do polls, kind of see what you guys thought about the episodes, see what you thought about the content. Um, that is at Podcast 51, uh, 51 again. Uh, but, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I'm Tom DeLore. I'm Amir Bankson, and in honor of Jim Morrison, I'm going to say stay groovy. Ooh. Stay <laughs> Stay awesome. <laughs> you missed him up. Stay <laughs> groovy, stay psychedelic, and stay awesome. I love you all. I hope you're having a great break like I hopefully am. <laughs>